Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Christ in the Classroom presented by Sophia Institute for Teachers. I'm your host, Jose Gonzalez. Uh, excited for today's episode as we dig in and have some great conversations with two fantastic speakers, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers and Chris Stefanik. Uh, our topic today is teaching amidst the challenges of today's culture. Uh, as always, let's begin our time with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Direct, O Lord, we beseech you all our actions by your holy inspirations, and carry them on by your gracious assistance, that every prayer and work of ours may always begin from you, and by you be happily ended, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lady Seat of Wisdom, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, thanks for listening again. Um, this week, I'm excited to have you listen to two fantastic conversations I had, uh, one with Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. We chat about um, the challenges in today's classroom. We talk about the needs need for teachers to really dig into and study their Catholic faith. Uh, we talk about the need for teachers and parents to collaborate together. We talk about teachers and um, them working to strive and pray and have a spiritual life. Um, Deacon offers some great tips. Uh, he also offer, offers some great insights into the struggles that we're having uh, in today's culture, in today's world. Uh, we hope that you'll enjoy this conversation. And so with that, I will uh, I will let you guys have a listen and enjoy. Well, thank you so much for joining me uh, today, Deacon. I uh, appreciate your, you taking the time to, to chat with us and um, share some insights with Catholic educators and catechists around the country. Uh, this is... Uh, uh, our, our main audience here, mo most listeners here are uh, um, Catholic, either Catholic school teachers or work in a parish doing, doing ministry. Uh, and, uh, and so just kind of to kick things off, uh, maybe just kind of share with them for those that may not be familiar with who you are and your work, um, just a little bit about yourself, what kind of where your ministry focus is at and, and what you, you know, just a little about you personally and, and your ministry um, to, to let everybody know. Know, know a little bit. So. Yeah, sure, sure. Just a little bit of background. Uh, I was born in Barbados in the West Indies, and my family is first generation to come to the United States. Uh, my mom was the first Catholic in our family. She was a Methodist who converted to the Catholic faith as a teenager, and I'm the oldest child of her marriage with my dad, and so I'm actually the first baptized Catholic wow. in our family. Yeah, so we grew up Catholic, went to Catholic grade school, high school, uh, college and graduate school. We're all Catholic. Uh, and ever since I was little, I thought I might have had vocation to the priesthood. Okay. Um, I remember once uh, serving mass as a seventh grader, getting ready to ring the bells during the elevation of the host. And I remember looking at the priest thinking I could totally see myself doing that. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh yeah, so I, I end up going to a St. Benedict's Preparatory School in Newark, New Jersey, which is run by Benedictine monks, and they had a come and see program. Okay. So I did that program all four years, um, went to college, came back and joined the monastery. And I thought, okay, this is where God wants me. But then uh, when my mom got sick, I left the monastery to take care of her and went to a wedding and met the woman who ended up being my wife. So, <laughs> so, that, so that didn't work. So, <laughs> so and my wife's from Oregon. That's how I got out to Portland from, okay. from New Jersey Okay, and felt the call to the diaconate. And, uh, you know, thanks be to God, um, you know, back, uh, boy, it's, uh, 19 years ago now, I was ordained a deacon wow. in uh, November of 2002. 
And I was working in full-time law enforcement for 23 years and left that in 2012 to speak and to write full-time about the Catholic faith. So wow. yeah, it's been a really amazing journey. And I, I, I'm, I'm living proof that when they say that God draws straight with crooked lines, yeah, right here. <laughs> that's me. <laughs> that's wonderful. Wow. That's quite a, quite a story, quite a background. Um, it's just beautiful to hear how, how the Holy Spirit works in, in, in different ways in people's lives. And um, it sounds like it's been no different with you as, as he does with, men, with, with many of us. Uh, so I guess to kind of kick things off, I know that um, you have experience kind of talking to all kinds of audiences uh, in, your, in your ministry. Um, and, and you have spoken with Catholic school teachers before. And it sounds like you have experience with Catholic schools from attending one yourself, being being Catholic school. I don't know if your kids go to Catholic school or not, but um, just in general, what, um, in your mind, what do you see particularly as, as just the, the mission, the vision of, of a Catholic school, of a Catholic school teacher? What, what are, what are, what, what pieces of, you know, advice or wisdom would, would you, would you really call and encourage Catholic educators to? Yeah. So I, yeah, my kids all went to Catholic schools as well. And, um, and I actually taught Catholic school when I was uh, uh, at St. Benedict's during the summers. Okay. Uh, when I was back from college, I would teach because um, they, they had summer sessions and I would teach algebra and I even taught a linguistics course, which is pretty fun. That's but uh, so, so the, 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 the teaching, um, uh, just like any uh, work of the Lord, comes out of our vocational call which is part of actually an extension of the liturgy, right? Because liturgy, liturgois in Greek means the work of the people or, or work on behalf of the people. So through liturgy, Christ our Redeemer continues to, the, continues the work of redemption in and through his church. So what's the connection then between that work and the work that we do uh, every day? So the liturgy draws us into the work of God um, he touches at the deepest level of our being in word and sacrament, then our job is to leave mass and, and become Eucharist to the world, filled with Christ's body and blood and word and sacrament. Now we have to go out and be Eucharist to the world to, you know, we have to go back to meetings and to traffic jams and to laundry and to dirty diapers and to homework, you know, uh, yeah. where, where the liturgy really comes alive because now we have to live what we just received. Um, and so in, in a Catholic context, um, especially in education, uh, it means we have to be present as signs of courage and um, I guess you would say intellectual creativity in this culture today. We have, we have a culture where, where um, education used to be teaching young people how to think. Mm-hmm. Now to become indoctrination centers that are teaching young people what to think, right? Mm-hmm. So, so we have to avoid that. Um, and we have to, to teach our children both to love learning and to love Jesus Christ in the Catholic faith. Oh, right yeah. now. Now, part of the problem is, is that parents for a long time now have outsourced their responsibility of teaching the children the faith because the Catholic educator is supposed to, to, to teach them of course, about the Jesus and the sacraments and all that stuff. But then that's the head knowledge. Then the kids are supposed to go home and see that lived out in the family. That's the heart knowledge. So the head knowledge and the heart knowledge is supposed to come together. And now you have an integrated, holistic approach to knowing and, and actually living 
out our Catholic faith and, and knowing G Jesus Christ deeper through that relationship between the teacher and the parent, right? Because that's why St. John Paul II called the family the domestic church, the church of the home, because that's the place where kids learn to fall in love with Jesus. But if they don't see that love of Jesus being lived out for everything that they're learning, then our, our religion class becomes is math, English, science, language, arts, religion. It's another subject that they learn and, it, and they really don't see the connection between the head and the heart. And so what happens is we, they, they go to Catholic school, they get confirmed, they go to youth group, then they go off to college and some professor with all these letters after their names fills their heads with these ideas that there is no God. And so now they come back to your house saying, I don't believe in God anymore. And you're like, what happened? They went to Catholic school, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and so, so, uh, so the teachers have... Uh, a job today. And, and unfortunately, you know, we have to educate the parents too, because you right, can't right. give what you don't have yourself. Right. But I think an unfair burden has been placed on teachers, but they have to recognize the fact that yes, they're teaching young people about the faith and about Jesus. But I think now even more than ever, they have to live that faith and be witnesses of that faith. For example, my father wasn't around. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my mom basically was a single mom. After my parents, especially after my parents got divorced. And so um, I, I had to find other role models in my life, not to take the place of my dad, mm -hmm. but my mom wanted to make sure I had authentic, masculine um, men of faith in my life. And yeah. so quite frankly, some of my teachers became those for me. Right. Yeah, that's, I, I think teachers, um, what you said about the, the unfair burden on them is true, but I think there's also a, a great opportunity where the Holy Spirit can use teachers in a powerful way to be that witness in those kids' lives that they might not be getting at home. What would you say, um, you know, in, in your mind, what is, you touched on this a little bit, but how can parents and teachers partner more closely together to, to, to give to give the kids just, you know, a more holistic experience of, of the faith, you know, how, how could you, how, how could you see them partnering more closely? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think uh, it's making that head and that heart connection more deeply where parents just can't be interested in sports for their kids or for extracurricular activities like, uh, you know, ballet or dance or whatever. There's even Boy Scouts are, well, back when they were really Boy Scouts, but, but back in but, but these extracurricular activities can't be the, the be all and end all because as, as uh, Cicero once said, sick transit Gloria Mundi, right? So passes the glory of the world. When, when they become adults, they're not going to have their sports. They're not going to have their extracurricular activities. All they're going to have from their youth is their faith in Jesus Christ. And so I think parents need to be more interested in the, the learning mission of their children, especially when it comes to the faith, because they have to see the teachers as partners with them, you know, in, in, in understanding and knowing who Jesus Christ is and the whys of the faith. So um, I would encourage parents and teachers to get together more often, um, not just on um, parent-teacher conferences, right? right, right. But, but maybe, to, maybe to get together for other opportunities, even social, like coffee and donuts or something like that. And just talk about, here's what we're trying to do 
um, for your child in this classroom. And here's some things that you can do to help us. And so the parents can say, well, we don't, I mean, we don't know the faith ourselves, right? If you ask me for $20 and I go into my wallet, which is typically empty. And I, and I said, I don't got $20. I can't give you what I don't have myself because parents are poorly catechized. They can't give it to their, to their children. So I would have like these wonderful catechetical, catechetical evenings where parents come together with the teachers and it's informal, but they're just like, okay, here's what your kid is learning. And here's how you can help. I said, well, yeah, I didn't know that myself. Mm-hmm. Well, here's some great resources that you can use to, to incorporate the faith more better in your home. So it's not just knowing the faith, but actually living the faith where they're not just praying before meals, but actually praying together as a family where where they see that the love of the faith being lived out. And I think the more that parents and teachers can come together and have honest conversations about about how to do that. Look, I'm going to do it in a classroom. You do it at home. Then we're going to help form and shape this young person into someone um, who truly lives out what Jesus said, love God and love their neighbor as themselves. Wow. Yeah. What do you see in the culture as right now, the biggest um, sort of uh, obstacles for, for, for our young people and, and how can parents and teachers come together and, and, and start addressing some of those, those obstacles in the culture? Yeah. And, and there, as Sally, there's a number of that. I said the, the biggest two right now, I think would be moral relativism. Uh, where truth is whatever I decided to be. And we'll say this, we even have cultural affirmations for it, right? That may be true for you, but that's not true for me. That may be your truth. That's not my truth. Or I'm not religious, I'm spiritual, right? Mm-hmm. That, that kind of thing. And so, um, so what we, the, make, the mistake that we make sometimes in education is that we, we think we need to teach the kids, you know, well, they need to know about Hinduism and Buddhism and Islam and no, you know, they need to know about their Catholic faith. They can learn about those other things later in college. I, I think up into the high school level, this is my opinion. I think up to the high school level, they need to learn the why of their faith. We believe that Mary was a virgin before, during, and after her giving birth to Christ. How, okay, that's what we believe. Why do we believe that? Mm-hmm. How was how that even possible? I mean, so they can really understand and think intelligently and make the connections as to why the faith. They say mass is boring. Why do they say mass is born? Because they don't know why they're there. Right. Right? They're there because mommy and daddy make them go, or they're there because they have to, the priest have to sign some paper to show that they were there so they can get confirmed, which is basically Catholic graduation for them. Right. Right. But they, they don't, they, they have to understand that there is truth. And truth is not a philosophical construct. Truth is not something you form in your mind. Truth ultimately is a person. Jesus Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That truth is a dynamic relationship with the living God in and through the person of Jesus Christ. And so um, overcoming moral to rel- relativism by saying that there are things that are objectively true, things that are true in and of themselves, and to understand that that is true and to bring them to, to think more deeply about how we arrive at truth uh, and not shy away from the difficult arguments of the culture when it comes to truth. Um, that's the first thing. I think the, the second thing is definitely this whole, the, the redefinition of marriage and sexuality. These are things that they're, they're literally Catholic schools are afraid to even touch this. Right. You know, I'll give you an example. I was asked to speak at a, at a school in, um, I'm not going to say what city, but I'll just say it's in, it was in Nebraska. And this was a case where the, one of the coaches 
so-called married her girlfriend. Of course, it's not marriage, but she so-called so-called married her girlfriend. And this caused a split and division within the school. And the school did not know how to address it with their students. So they heard that I was coming to town. They invited me to the school to talk to the students about this issue, which I did. Now, uh, some kids got up and walked out. Now, I, I, I spoke the truth in love, okay? Because anybody that same sector tried, they are our brothers and sisters. We love them with the love of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's no, no question about that. So I spoke the truth in love, but some kids got up and walked out during the talk. But the vast majority of the kids came and thanked me afterwards and said, finally, someone is talking about this. In fact, this is something that, true story. I was waiting to get a ride back to the parish where I was doing the mission. And I was waiting with the principal and this young lady walks in and, and the principal said, what are you doing here? Where's your hall pass? You're supposed to be in class. And so she showed him the hall pass. She said, I just want to talk to him. <laughs> and I, his principal said, okay, well, go ahead. He's right here. And, and she said, you know, I was getting ready to leave the Catholic faith, but, you know, over this issue. But after hearing you today, I decided to stay. And she turned around and walked out and went back to class. And, and the principal's mouth was like wide open, like, well, what just happened here? See, and why? Because our hearts are attracted to truth. And, and our, our young people being spoon fed lies by the culture. And if we don't do, if we don't provide them that, that uh, Christological Christ-centered education, then, we, then all Catholic schools are, are very expensive public schools. Right. But let's be real here. That we have to differentiate ourselves, and we have to be Catholic, authentically Catholic. Right. You think that if a Catholic went to a Muslim school, they're going to say, "We're not going to teach the Quran. We're not going to teach, you know, about Muhammad because we got all these Christians here." And they're not going to do that. You, th these parents made a decision to send their children to a Catholic school for a Catholic education, and that's what they should get—not watered-down Christianity, where it's almost you can't differentiate it from anything else, because what? And if teachers are afraid to do that because it's countercultural. See, it's countercultural, but so was Jesus. He told the truth and they killed him. Right. right. You know, so we, but we can't be afraid. Jesus says, if you, are to be, if you are to be my disciples, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. And that's what we need to do in Catholic education. Pick up that cross and follow Jesus to help lead our young people to eternal life. Amen. Amen. So I, one thing I kind of want to, I think this builds well on what we just talked about, but also going back to a point you made about the parents, I want to apply it to the teachers. You mentioned that often parents feel like they can't give what they do not have, right? They don't, they, they don't feel like they know the faith well. Um, I think, unfortunately, a lot of our Catholic school teachers feel that way. Maybe not, maybe not like a high school religion teacher who has a theology degree, but but some of our grade school teachers that, that I've spoken with, um, they will be very grateful for for some of the things and, and opportunities we give them because they 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 don't feel confident in teaching the faith. And here they are; they've been placed in 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 this in the school. Uh, maybe they maybe they have an education degree from a state school, and that the last thing they went to was you know CCD in, in grade school. But they're well intentioned people. They, they do love Jesus. They just they're kind of floundering. Um, what kind of um, bits of advice or information? What would you? How would you encourage Catholic school teachers to equip themselves? That's a that's a great question. And, and, I, and I would say this, this is where the administration comes in. You know, when you're making a hiring decision for a teacher in, in a Catholic school, 
they don't necessarily have to be Catholic. Obviously, we prefer if they were Catholic and not just Catholic, but actually living the faith, not just a paycheck for them. You see, because when it comes to paycheck for them, then they're not interested. What they're interested in is passing on the same relativistic attitudes that they're living themselves. So even if they're not a person of faith, that's okay as long as they understand that that they cannot teach anything that's contrary to to the to the Catholic faith, right? And so one of the things that we can do is make sure that there are um, you know what are those uh, workshop teacher days, right, where the kids have off of school, so teachers have to go to a to a workshop or some kind of, kind of a continuing educational formation. That is something that should be uh, happening in schools regularly, not just for the kids, but for the teachers as well. So even the teachers could say, like maybe in their meetings, okay, here's, um, I, yes, I teach math or I teach science, okay, but here's an area where, I, where I'd like to know more about the faith. Like what, what for example, a biology teacher may say, well, uh, what does the, 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 the relationship between faith and science, mm-hmm. like what, what does the Catholic Church have to say about that, right? Or uh, for example, a history teacher may say, "When you know, I you know they have to learn their Catholic history." For example, the two most, um, two of the most uh, uh, historical type events that are often people have no idea what they were really about is the Crusades and the Inquisition. I mean, if you say Crusades and Inquisition, they think, "Oh, that's when the Catholics killed all those people." That's ridiculous. So they have to they have to know their history and know their faith, or at least understand why the church teaches what it does and understand the truth of the faith so that they can pass that on to the kids and, and help them form themselves as well. You know, uh, there's been many times where, you know, um, uh, teachers said, you know, um, well, you know, what, I, I don't have an answer to that, but let me find out for you. You know, that's honest. If you don't know, if the kid asks a tough question, you don't know the answer to it, fine. Go and find the answer. <laughs> you educate yourself. And so now you can better educate that child as well. So I think there has to be a commitment to ongoing formation and continuing education in the faith and the tools that the schools could provide resources or even there's plenty of free resources resources out there there's catholic answers right catholic.com you know you can ask almost any question about the faith they have answers for you there or will direct you to the to the right answers a lot of tremendously free resources on the internet but we have to take that time to imbibe that material and to understand that okay this is helping me become the person who god created to me to be, which is this teacher that's committed to Catholic education. Right. Yeah. The, amen. I, I think to spirituality, like helping, I think on top of the, the head knowledge, we have to help teachers develop a, a spiritual life, you know, and, uh, and um, I don't know about you. I'm sure that this is something you can relate to, like all of us, you know, w- teachers are busy, right? They, they, they go all the time. We all go. How, how can a busy person, how can a, how can someone with a teacher schedule, like, what are some practical things that they could do to, to cultivate a spiritual life? You know, what are, what are ways that they can just simply take time for the Lord in the midst of just insanity? Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think there's two things. Um, First of all, you have to find time for silence. Okay, that is absolutely critically important. Like, (laughs) I'll tell you, I remember one time I went to my spiritual director. I was like, look, um, I'm having a hard time. I'm getting I'm getting up to pray the office and then I've got this and that. I'm not really, you know, um, you know, what can I do to to really find a better balance between my faith and my work life? And so he looked at me, and said, pray more. 
I said, maybe you didn't hear what I just said. <laughs> I'm, I'm having a hard time bouncing because I got so much work and da, da, da. And he just said, pray more. That was his answer. So, huh. so what I started doing was I started getting up earlier in the morning and I'm not a morning person. So it's a, it's a real, you know, a cross <laughs> to get up. But I, you know, I get up when it's quiet in the house before my wife is up, before the kids are up and I pray the office then. And, in, it's, and I've, I've found it more enriching and more heartfelt and more meaningful in my prayer, especially when I'm praying in that silence. We have to, we have to find time and cultivate time throughout our day for periods of silence, because it's in that silence we listen to the voice of God and allow that voice to change our life. That's one thing. We have to find time for silence. Even if it's sitting in your car, you get to the school, you pull up, you turn your car off, and you have to sit there for a minute and just take a deep breath. Okay, Lord Jesus, thank you. You know, I'm, I'm here again today. I've got a full plate. But Lord, I know you're going to be with me today. I mean, just something simple like that. Or maybe just an Our Father and a Hail Mary. Something's you're, you're mindful, you're mindful of your relationship with God and that he's with you throughout your day, through the trials and through the tribulations, through the, the very good things that are going to happen in that day as well. Um, I think the other thing is fill in the gaps, what I call gap time. For example, what are you listening to from the time you leave home to the time you get to school? Hmm. Are you listening to talk radio? Are you listening to the sports or is that an opportunity to listen to a to Catholic radio, to listen to a, a MP3 or if you still have a CD in your car, right? A CD of some of a Catholic track or 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 something to help you deepen it, your faith, your intimacy. Or you can plug your phone into your car and listen to podcasts. I have tons. I mean, I fly. Well, before COVID, I was flying 250,000 miles a year all over the world. And so I'll show you here. On my phone, I have I have tons of uh, podcasts, you know, so I'm also I also know that the more I learn about the faith, the more I realize how much I don't know. And so I have on my phone tons of podcasts here. And mm -hmm. so that's what I'm listening to, to enrich and develop my own faith as I'm sitting in an airport waiting to get on a plane for the 50,000th time <laughs> you know, or, or as I'm taking that lift from the from the airport to the to the uh, hotel or to the parish where I'm staying. See, that, those, those filling in the gaps in your day with, with times of focused, directed prayer or listening to something that's going to deepen and enrich your faith. I think those, those little, it's the little things I think that sometimes make the biggest difference. Amen. Amen. Wow, great. Yeah. So thanks for some, some great insights. Um, if there's any, I, I guess if there was any kind of um, additional, like just, uh, message of encouragement or hope, or even um, just um, spiritual nugget that you could um, leave for Catholic school teachers and catechists. Um, what would that be? Yeah, let me let me let me let me tell you this, especially for um, teachers out there who are working with kids that sometimes are hard to work with because often you don't know what what's going on at home. Um, I'll tell you an experience that just changed everything for me. I mean, literally changed everything for me. I was a freshman in high school and um, it was my very first grade in high school it was Mr. I never met Mr. Frank Mullen was the teacher. He was the history teacher and he was handing back the exams. The, my, so I studied. All right. But as my first grade in high school, I was nervous because I think this is going to set the pace for my high school experience. And so Mr. Mullen would walk up and down the aisle and he would turn your paper over on your desk and go down the next aisle, turn your paper over. So he got to me, he turned the paper over and kept going. And I took a deep breath, looked, 
He said, B plus. And I audibly said, yes, like that. And I'll never forget this as long as I live. Mr. Mullen stopped and he backed up and he looked me right in the face and he said, and you're happy with that? And I looked at him like, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, I gotta be, that's pretty good, right? But, but it's only later that what, I, what he really meant was you can do better than that. And no one up to that point had, other than my mom, had ever encouraged me to do better. You can be better. You can rise above your situation of living in the hood. You can rise above your situation of single parent. You can rise above your situation. And, that, and it's through that attitude and the support that I received that someone that believed in me, even when I, at times that I didn't believe in myself, that made the big, and that changed my whole way of thinking and my way of approaching my education. The, the, how I allow teachers into my life. I was horrible in math, but they took the time to sit down with me after school and help me find ways, creative ways to help me understand the concepts. And I became the first person in my family ever to go to college. And I earned an academic scholarship to Notre Dame. So those kinds of things can happen when you have teachers that are dedicated to, to their children. Don't ever give up because that kid, they're going, oh, this kid, he's such a pain. Oh, the, you know what? I'm that kid. I'm that kid. Huh? So I, I want the teachers to think about that. Um, and, and, I, and I want to thank you for the bottom of my heart for your commitment to Catholic education and, and, and for our kids. Because um, I, I have five books now that are published, uh, four bestsellers, because the other one actually is going to be published later this year. But the four that I have now, the very first one in the acknowledgments, I actually named my teachers to thank them, to thank them for what they did for me. And um, I will always be eternally grateful for the gift of the teachers in my life. So I want to encourage you to keep doing what you're doing because you'll never know the impact you can have on a young person and how you can, how you're full molding and shaping that young person's life to truly help them to become the person who God created them to be. Beautiful. Thank you. Uh, and, and just kind of to, to wrap up Deacon, where can people kind of find you? Where's like, you, you know, do you have social media? Do you have like a, a, a webpage with resources where that these teachers and their students can benefit from, um, you know, if they want to bring you in to speak or whatever, where, 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 where's all, where can they find all that information? Yeah. Just real simple. DeaconHarold.com. <laughs> has links to all my social media. I'm on Facebook. I have a YouTube channel. I have like 930 videos on YouTube. Um, I have all the social media, Twitter, um, LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, Instagram, all of that. And I have a, a, a tremendous free re under media. There's a, a drop down menu there. You can see uh, audio, video, uh, publications, all kinds of free stuff, tons of free stuff. And then there's also the store page where you can uh, download uh, MP3 files or you can order hard copies of, of uh, one of 22 different talks that I give as well. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us and uh, God, God bless you. Thank so. you for having me. Appreciate it very much. I hope you enjoyed that uh, excellent conversation. 
Um, I know I had a great time speaking with uh, with Deacon, uh, and it's no joke why they call him the dynamic Deacon to begin with. He is very dynamic and um, a lot of high energy and um, really just in tune with with the culture and with teachers and with Catholic, and with Catholic identity and Catholic schools. Uh, I, I hope that that was something that conversation was something you were able to gain something from um, and take with you to your classrooms uh, and to your own personal formation. Uh, Next, um, I had another excellent conversation with a dear friend of mine, Chris Stefanik. Chris and I have known each other for, for many years. Uh, we were household brothers together at Franciscan, uh, and he really is doing some excellent work for the church. Um, you may have seen him uh, speak in, live at some point uh, at a youth conference or um, maybe at a parish session. Uh, he also releases uh, videos quite often. Uh, he is the uh, the head of real life Catholic, uh, really just preaching the gospel um, in, in an effective way in today's age. Uh, I hope that you'll enjoy this conversation. Uh, he and I spent some time talking about, um, you know, wokeism. Uh, we often hear the term um, "I'm woke," um, or, or, or really um, that that progressive term of of being woke and and thinking that we're embracing positive things. And while it sounds uh, and to have and seems to have positive connotation as Catholics, we really want to be weary of those who tell us that they are woke. Um, and, and be weary of that ideology, but but also understand that when in that ideology, um, those people that subscribe to it really have a certain um, uh, positive heart towards towards real injustices. So how can we recognize those things and how can we channel that energy in a positive way? How can we address um, this kind of progressive view and outlook in today's culture? Um, it's a, it was a, a shorter conversation, but I think you'll one that you'll find fruitful. Um, so with that, I will uh, let you listen in on this conversation I had with Chris. All right. Well, Chris, welcome. And, uh, Welcome to Christ in the Classroom. Thanks for agreeing to chat with us and join us. Uh, why don't, for those, um, I'm sure there are several who are very familiar with you and your ministry and the work that you do, but I'm sure there are several of our listeners who may be hearing you for the first time. So why don't we just start off, just uh, share a little bit about who you are and um, sort of what your ministry does. And um, Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, so I, Chris Stefanik, my ministry is Real Life Catholic. Website's reallifecatholic.com. We, we, um, we share the love of Jesus and make it easy for other people to do the same or rather simple. Easy is a, not, it's never easy. It's never easy. Uh, but, no. but, but we lower the, um, the, the, the bar of fear by just making it as easy as click and share on really quality media. Um, having small groups with our, with resources that we're producing now that are simple to use, you know, that if you want to have friends over your house and share the faith, just click play and here's three questions you know we're so we're just trying to make this this not it's not rocket science we're, we're good at complicating things as catholics we're good at complicating <laughs> things as people in general yeah. most meaningful things we complicate them and then we lose them but it's really a fight to get back to simplicity i mean even within marriage i think it's you know what, what's it about well i love this person she loves me let's get married and, and the rest <laughs> of your marriage you're fighting to get back to that yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I think that's what Christianity is at right now. We had to fight to get back to that simple, core gospel message and living it out with joy every day, Amen. in the midst of all the craziness. So that's what Amen. we're about. I love that. Well, great. And live so, events—that's our biggest thing. 
Live events. Okay, great. Yeah, which, great, yeah. you know, I, I didn't mention that because it's been a year and a half. So uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a year. Yeah, uh, it's been crazy for all of us. Uh, so uh, being our, our main audience um, here is Catholic school teachers and uh, catechists in the parish. A lot of what you do is definitely reaching out um, and apl- applicable to those areas, because really the bottom line is if you want to be a good teacher, a good catechist, you just be a good Christian, a good Catholic, right? And, yeah. and it'll flow from there. Um, so today I wanted to would chat with you just a little bit about, I think one of the biggest um, kind of issues influencing um, the students that, that many of our audience teach is, is just sort of this ideology, the, the progressive ideology um, on, you know, be, the term being woke, right? Um, and yeah. and I, I've often heard um, you know, even good friends say, Hey, I, you know, I'm, I'm woke now. Former students say I'm woke now. Uh, and, and it sort of kind of sends a little shiver down my spine, you know, um, as Catholics, um, I think there's, there's something, uh, I think there's some good intentions there with wanting to reach out to the marginalized, but it's also hidden in, in, in just, uh, just something that, that we can't get on board with. Uh, and, and we have to help our students navigate this. And, and I've seen a couple things that you've shared and done on this. And I thought it'd be be great to just chat with you about that. So sort of, I guess, to start off with in your kind of in a quick summary, what, what would, how would you define like this woke ideology? What's that, what's it look like? What's sort of its main tenets and premises? Yeah. And and like I was saying initially, my main focus is the core message of the gospel, but I delve into some of these issues when the issues pop up and they are direct obstacles to the gospel being heard. And this is one of them right now. This is the latest trend. If I, you, let, me, let me give you a, a few minutes summary of what, uh, what wokeism is, how, how I define it. And, uh, you know, it's, it, there's always a danger in trying to slap one word on a cultural trend. Right. You know, there, there's a danger, frankly, of doing an injustice to people who would say I'm woke and who, uh, so, sometimes are driven by genuine uh, desires to right wrongs, to uh, to fix things that are actual injustices. And some sometimes people react against wokeism by by undermining every legitimate uh, claim of injustice. <laughs> it's saying, "Oh, it's just wokeism. You're just a snowflake." Well, that's not fair. It's not true because uh, right. there is real injustice in the world. Racism's real. There's systemic injustice in the world. That's true. Um, but what is wokeism? Okay, so wokeism is not just one idea among many. I would say it's more like on the level of religion okay. for a lot of people who describe themselves as woke. And what do I mean by their level of religion? Christianity, for the deeply faithful person, is not one idea among many in their lives. It's literally the frame through which they see everything. It's the frame of understanding that helps them make sense of every other idea that they have in their head. It's when you look through, not just at, but through the frame of Christianity at life, it gives you a way to understand our, our purpose in life, why we exist, the trajectory of human history, what redemption is, how to understand death, how to understand other people. Um, wokeism is, 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 is brought to that same level. What's it bringing to that level? What's the frame of, of wokeism? It's the frame of injustice mm. that all of human history all of human interactions, who you are, how you think, um, our purpose on this earth, the trajectory of human history, all of it is seen by the woke in the frame of the oppressed versus the oppressor. That's it. Mm. 
And, you know, I think maybe a better phrase that would do it more justice is maybe calling it nothing but ism, right? Because okay. that would separate out people who would describe themselves as woke, but they don't mean what I just said. Um, <clears throat> but there's a lot of people who, who would describe themselves as woke, where what I just said fits perfectly. And, it, and it's, it's people who are clinging to things like critical theory, critical race theory, critical uh, gender theory, all these critical theories that, that dismantle, uh, their job is to dismantle how people see everything. But uh, nothing but ism. It, it's, it's a philosophy on life that would, re it's reductionist. It reduces how people see things to nothing but. I'll give you an example. American history. There's no doubt that there has been systemic racism in American history. And that in some places, that's alive and well. Um, nothing butism would say, no, no, no. America is nothing but a political system uh, that is a, is a political expression of racism. That's it. So there's no, there's no talk of redeeming America. Let's burn it to the ground. And that's the spirit that animated some of the protests we've seen in the past summer. <clears throat> you know, one of the tragedies of nothing butism mm. is that it takes good causes for justice and scares away the average person from being involved. That's real. That's a really profound thought. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I, I saw something. I, some I, I I try to not go much on social media because people post things that upset me. But I saw this <laughs> this uh, this priest posting on social media the other day. He posted something about racism. And he said, therefore, this this is why we should we should teach critical race theory. Uh, okay, I mean, what way to scare off the average guy from right. siding with you publicly against racism? Because if, if if being against it means that I have to buy into critical race theory right. uh no no thank you you're scaring people away um so there's there's that nothing but uh yes there's been such a thing as, as sexism but nothing butism would say that men are nothing but a toxic uh, gender that the only way for you to be safe is to realize your toxicity and constantly put it in check and to be constantly mm -hmm. suspicious and critical of yourself as a man be ashamed um, there, there was an article written in a mainstream London paper that said roads designed by men are killing women. Huh. That's, I mean, there's this. Yeah, it's crazy. Wow. That's crazy. It's crazy. It's this reductionist worldview that sees everything in that frame of this struggle for power. Um, yeah. Nothing but uh, this is why we saw, you know, again, I don't know how this got mixed up with uh, with marches that started against racism and then we have statues of Junipero Serra being toppled in right. California like what what's what yeah way to scare every person who doesn't like racism away from what you're saying right now right uh who's who's maybe also not a, a, trying to dismantle all of western civilization <laughs> like, is that what it means I gotta sign up for that in order to stand with you yeah uh but but uh toppling Junipero Serra what we you know what's What's the problem here? The Native Americans in California were sobbing when he died because he loved them and he stood up for their rights. And in the face of, of colonialism, which was coming, whether they liked it or not, whether anyone liked it or not, uh, he was he was preserving their dignity. Um, he was trying his best to preserve their culture while also marrying it to Christian culture and bring them the light of the gospel. Not not because he wanted to suppress them, but because he loved Jesus. I mean, this is a good guy Yeah. that, that yeah. you know. Founded these missions throughout California that were not enslaving people. Okay, that, that's not that, that's not the entire. Oh, nothing but. That's all that those missions did, right? But right. this nothing butism would see him and think that guy is nothing but a colonial oppressor. Why? Because he's from Spain. He's from Mallorca. What? What? 
I mean, really, this is how we're going to see each other in 2021 and how we're going to judge history. Yeah, it's 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 a dead end. It leads nowhere. But it it does lead to people, um, you know, judging history, judging religion, judging their parents, judging everything in a way that that is is ignorant, bigoted and closes them down to all things good from the past. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's a great summary. Any. I know we could spend a lot of time on this, but um, just sort of a, I guess maybe some some basic tips. How do we start to kind of dialogue and address this as teachers with our students, with those we encounter in the world? What are what are ways? Sort of what's what's kind of a, an antidote to this way of thinking? Yeah, I think calling it out like I just did really helps. You know, and you can you can. Um, I'm not sure exactly what resource to point you to, but. It's yeah. it's all available. I mean, you could find stuff that traces the uh, progression of thought, uh, of postmodern thought, of uh, deconstructionist thought from, you know, f- French philosophers in the 1960s. I mean, just showing that this is kind of a new idea that that's progressed from there to critical theory to intersectionalism, which takes every every um, every critical theory and, and, and tries to merge it into one story, one narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, and and how that um, it, it takes legitimate claims to justice and twists it into something that that's divisive. I mean, just just I, I calling it out for what it is. Um, yeah, yeah. Awake, not woke. I haven't I haven't read this. I've heard it's a good book that sums up what I'm right now. Yeah, I've heard that book. I've heard of that book um, as well, but I have not. So I haven't I haven't reviewed it before re- recommending it, but I've heard great things. Awake, not woke. Uh, by hold on, I'm gonna I'm gonna look this up right now. You might be losing my video for a second. Awake, not woke. Let's see here by Noel Mering, M-E-R-I-N-G. Uh, check that out. Let me know what you think about it. You know, if it uh, if, if it's hold on a second here, and I got your video back now. See me? Yes. Yes. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. Uh, check that. But but stuff there's stuff like that 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 might be good to look up to, to help you summarize a brief teaching on 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 wokeism. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this also led to the cancel culture we're living in right now. You know, Christians have a, a mandate when someone's not awake spiritually to love them and to convert them. And uh, woke culture is Puritanism without Jesus. So there's there's a, a mandate to cancel and get you out of my way. Yeah, and, and that's that's what we experience. I mean, and we could all be cancely with each other. So, but as we complain about that, it's important not to do it ourselves. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. It's oh. human nature. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's uh, really good insights, and I think this is a, a very important thing for us as uh, teachers, catechists, to be aware of when we walk into the yeah. classroom. How are our students thinking? Are we approaching topics this way? Uh, and to just keep in focus the gospel rather than, than, than these ideologies and, and to help penetrate things with the gospel, you know? Right. And, and, you know, I I would, I would also say as a teacher, or especially as a catechist in a church, um, you don't have to get lost in these topics either. Right. You know, if, if we keep on the offense rather than on the constant defense and as people on the offense, just repropose the beauty of the gospel. When they hear woke ideology that would have them sum up the history of the church as nothing but a sexist, colonialist, racist system because of isolated incidents, um, they they might hear that and think, "Wait, that's not the Christianity I just heard about." The Christianity I just heard about is is again 
come back to my mission in life. Come back to first things. It's centered on love. Love. It's centered on the gospel. It's centered on the joy that God came to give us. That's what this is about. That's what the missionaries like Kunipur Sarah were trying to bring to the world. Amen. Amen. Well, wonderful. Well, Chris, thank you so much for, for chatting with me on this. Um, just for, for everyone's future reference, again, where, where can people find you? How can they follow you? Where do they, you know, what other resources yeah. do you have to offer? Reallifecatholic.com. And um, if you want to stay in touch, we, we've probably given away a million dollars of Catholic media or more. It's uh, text RLC for Real Life Catholic to the number 44144. Or if you're from Boston, 44144. And we'll sign you up and get you a bunch of free stuff in your inbox. That's great. That's great. And then we encourage, encourage people once kind of in-person things start to kick, kick up again, I, I truly encourage that you check out one of their in-person events. Um, Chris is actually, I've heard him speak to, to teenagers and I've heard him speak to adults and uh, he does a fantastic job really laying out the gospel. So I, I invite you to encourage you to, to check him out as a potential speaker for your school or parish event. And uh uh, thanks again, Chris. God bless. And thank you for your message. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you, man. I hope you enjoyed that discussion as well. Uh, it was a great joy to have Chris on the show and we're grateful um, for all the work that he does. And I hope that you'll check out um, his website, check out the videos, his, the, the short videos that he does are really effective. And I actually used to use them back in the day in the classroom. Uh, and and I, I hope that you'll find them a, a good resource for you, for your own formation and for your students. So once again, thank you to Chris for being on the show. Uh, if you need a PD certificate for today, uh, please uh, visit sophiainstituteforteachers.org slash CITC certificates uh, and fill out the form. Um, particularly, um, make sure you select this episode in the drop-down menu. As a reminder, certificates are only uh, processed and emailed on the 1st and 15th of every month. So we thank you for your patience with that. If you have not done so already, please subscribe, give us a review, tell your friends about us. We are on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, um, Vimeo, YouTube. Check us out uh, and hope that you will continue to listen um, and, and join us in, in, this, um, in this great podcast. Uh, we hope that, to continue to provide great content, content for you. Very excited for um, future episodes and future guests. Next week, on next week's episode, I will be joined by Katie Prejean McGrady, uh, who uh, offers some amazing insights as well. Uh, so please join us and give us a listen next week. Uh, God bless all that you do for you and your students. Um, let's take a moment to end in prayer, as always, to our patron saint, St. John Bosco, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. John Bosco, you heroically sacrificed yourself in order to lead young people to Christ, to form them in the truth and the morals of the Christian faith, and to establish lasting Christian education. Help me in my work as a teacher. Obtain from me from God holy love for my students, so that I may generously guard them from the devil and from danger, and guide them to Christ. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you. Please check out our, our website, as always, for many free resources, sophiainstituteforteachers.org. We pray that you are having a fantastic school year uh, in both your schools and your parishes. God bless, and we hope that you will listen next week.